Hey guys, we're back. We're here again. It seems like it's been so long, but it's actually just been the normal amount of time. Uh, Has it? But it's that time again. Yeah, yeah, it's been a week, as this is a, a weekly podcast. Uh, anyway, we're back at the the highly anticipated, the the beloved, the highly rated Green White Power Hour, everyone's favorite segment that we've ever had on the series, specifically in group brew form. We like to try and do one of these after our prime picks for set to kind of showcase one of the new legends we've got coming our way. You know, Eric busting down the door again and again, wanting to give Selesnya some love. And Julian just, you know, it's his favorite color combo. So we have to give in to the majority here. Uh, we're doing Katilda. Katilda is one green, one white for a human warlock. Katilda has protection from werewolves. Uh, which is very important. That's very critical. (laughs) Uh, Human creatures you control have tap, add one mana of any of this creature's colors, and then four green, white, tap, put a 1-1 counter on each creature you control. Overall, her stats are a 1-1, but uh, given that her third ability can put counters on herself, that power and toughness will probably change. A lot of inter-ability synergy here, given that other humans you control, or human creatures, including Katilda, have tap, add one mana of any of this creature's colors, that makes paying for her six mana plus tap Katilda ability a little bit easier. Sort of brings down the level that you need to get to that. A good package within a card, but yeah, let's uh, let's get to talking about it. I mean, she also functions as a mana dork herself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Comes down as a two drop. You know, we've definitely paid more for a mana dork. So, you know, two mana for a, for a mana dork that eventually will buff your entire team is pretty solid. And I will say, we meme about the protection from werewolves, but... Given, like, the uptick in commanders whenever a set comes out, especially since people like Chev have been really <laughs> jonesing for a legitimate werewolf commander. It could be more relevant. I feel like you could say, like, one out of every five playgroups or something is now going to have some sort of werewolf deck, at least to test out. Mm-hmm. So this is just, like, if you really want to counter your friend who's been waiting ten years for a legitimate werewolf, this one, one, <laughs> werewolf one. deck, if you really want to just make them sad... <laughs> Also appreciate that she's a warlock in green white, the like most opposite that you'd think of warlock colors. Yeah. Like you'd think blue black, and this is green white. So it's actually from a lore perspective, it's pretty cool because on Midnight Hunt, the story, of course, being that the the knights are getting longer, and Katilda is part of this sort of human resistance that is going back to the ways of the old gods. So in this set, we see mechanically green white is the color of humans, but we do see a large number of green white warlocks. Because we're kind of putting a difference between sort of wizards that are dealing with the modern world and warlocks that are tapping into those older sources of mana and the older gods. So like paganism, basically. Yeah, we got. I some really pagan. wish that instead of warlocks, said pagan? they were like <laughs> no. I wish they were like witch doctors. Witch doctors, you know. <laughs> Get some Diablo up in here. I'm, I'm <laughs> assume I'm going to talk about this set on every episode until it comes out, but I hope that we see some of the same with Neon Dynasty, where. There's some people who are like, yeah, like super modern, like Kamigawa technology and all this crazy stuff. And some people who are like, nah, maybe super old Shintoism stuff. And we, mm, we get to cool. see like some contingent of like clerics or priests who are like Mm-mm, the old way. We're definitely going to see some like decrepit shrines. I think we'll see another shrine cycle that kind of plays into that a little bit. Oh, baby. The 16 shrine deck. Maybe they'll make, like, new shrines where they're all, like, weird steampunk shit. It's just a mall. Signs. <laughs> yeah. The shrine oh, to consumerism, to consumerism. An outhouse. <laughs> <laughs> but, all right, but let's get let's get back on hand. We've got Katilda Donhart Prime. We've got a couple different directions. Right now, 
what kind of stands out immediately is maybe some humans energy, maybe some one, one counter synergy. What do we got? What are, what do people make? I built a Voltron list. Ooh. All right. That is not what I expected at all. Julian, please go into it. I didn't actually do a Voltron list. What? I just thought it would be funny if someone did. All right. So Julian's out here wasting everybody's time. Julian, what, what did you make? What, tell us, tell us what you came up with then. I made something even better than Voltron, and that's alt win conditions. Ultron. No. Okay. <laughs> the name of my deck is a uh, Dom Timus Prime, like Optimus Prime, but because she's the prime. Do you do you get it? Look at her All name. Right, uh, moving yeah. on. Oh, Dom Anyone else gets to okay. talk? So first thought, I was like, okay, we could do like human tribal. We could go big. We could go wide. Whatever. But I was like. I just want to make all the mana with all my humans. Mm -hmm. And then what do I want to do with that mana? Clearly, I want to put it into Helix Pinnacle. Because there's nothing better to do with infinite mana in green and white than play Helix Pinnacle. <laughs> so that's what my deck does. Plays a bunch of good cards to support really bad cards. But I will say, Wizards kind of cucked me. Because there's like only 40 cards that make tokens that are humans. And probably only about six of them are actually good. So I'm playing a bunch of uh, token producers, like standard all-star Omen of the Sun, you know, and uh, <laughs> good old new from Midnight Hunt, Cathar's Call, which is two and a white for an aura that says the enchanted creature has vigilance and at the beginning of your end step, create a one, one white human creature token. So God forbid anyone has removal. That really sucks for you. Uh, there's actually a couple enchantments that do something like that. And I'm playing all of them, obviously. You run a hand with your uh, militia captain? Uh, yeah, I have, have Handwear Militia Captain, uh, two mana for a 2-2, two, two, and then at the beginning of your upkeep, you have four more creatures. Uh, you transform it, and then uh, every end step, you get a 1-1 one, one white and black human cleric. Just a bunch of great cards like that to make a bunch of tokens, and then we will use those tokens to tap for a bunch of mana, thanks to Katilda, and uh, do Helix Pinnacle things. Um, I'm also playing, of course, all the token doublers, so I hope you got your wallets out, because doubling season, uh, anointed possession, parallel lives are all very expensive. Um, I did not put Gaia's Cradle in this. If you're going all out, go all out. Did you at least put Itlamok in there? You know, I didn't put either of those. Okay, put Itlamok in there, and Chev, why don't you talk about a way to put your wallet away? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you've got our first take on it, which, of course, is make your wide board of creatures and have them all pray to the Helix Pinnacle for victory. Uh, I went a slightly different approach. I thought, you know, Katilda does a lot of the things that we've seen humans want to do on Midnight Hunt, and they have a very strong mechanical identity. One that you see in one of the two pre-con commander decks that come out with Midnight Hunt, Coven Counters. So I thought that one of the coolest things you could do is, okay, so you want to make a Katilda deck, buy this commander deck because it will have a lot of the mechanical pieces that you want and need. And I have provided a $25 upgrade guide to kind of bring it into a roughly around $100 machine dedicated to the things Katilda wants to do in a nice overall package. So my deck focuses on taking that uh, counters deck that I previously mentioned, the Coven Counters with Midnight Hunt, and removing some of the, the extraneous parts. There's a small token sub-theme that I really wanted to get rid of, especially because the tokens made weren't humans. So it was interesting. I, I wasn't really sure, uh, besides you know making a creature mass and then being able to add some counters to them with Katilda's second ability, but even the commander that comes with the, the deck, they allow you to put 1-1 one, one counters and draw cards if you have Coven, which is, of course, three creatures with different power and toughness. So I think that's kind of where the tokens come in anyway we're moving all of that we're trying to focus more on the human synergy the one one counter synergy and taking out a few of the cards that 
really are just there for flavor. Like we're in green white, so we don't need something like the moon silver key, which we mentioned on a previous podcast is really good for decks to tutor up pieces when they don't have access to regular things of ramp, moving that kind of stuff. And then adding in some classic elements like mentor of the meek for adding all of these small humans harvest season, since we're going to have this large board of, of creatures, take advantage of that and ramp in a somewhat unconventional way. Sun Titan to bring back some of your key creatures. And of course, I have to give special homage to Hamza, Guardian of Arishin, who has been the leader of my $30 Selesnya counters deck for some time, but really plays well into the themes we're seeing with this deck, especially with a commander whose activated ability is cover the board in counters. Then you could play Hamza for, say, two and drop a lot of high power threats. So we're focused on making this deck really good, really strong, and really what Katilda wants to do. But cheap. But cheap. On a budget. Witch Doctors don't make that much annually. Um, no. According to the, the census, so. Yeah. The insurance premiums are super high. That's true. So I made a the most exciting kind of tribal deck there is in the game of Magic. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not Changeling Tribal. <laughs> it's Human Tribal. Um, which, you know, if you're in tune to, like, Modern and Legacy, you know humans have kind of been killing it. And there's a surprisingly high number of good humans, uh, even in EDH. Most of these guys are really small, but we have a lot of ways to pump these dudes up. Obviously, your standard coat of arms, uh, you know, door of destinies. But for humans, we also have a few special ones. Uh, for example... What other deck could you play fucking Rick, steadfast leader in? Don't. Uh, No, what's he do? I don't even know. As he enters the battlefield, choose two abilities from among a furtive strike, a vigilance, and lifelink. Humans you control have each of the two abilities, and as long as you control four or more humans, humans you can control get plus two, plus two. That is an insane... Rick, what are you doing? (laughs) I know. I want to say, I chose the restriction I chose... So that I wouldn't have to put Rick in this deck. I, I, <laughs> I, I had to, you know, I had to do it to him uh, just this once. Um, here's another really cool human, Kamal, who is a druid now and no longer a pit fighter. Um, <laughs> he has a pretty, he has a pretty sick ability in addition to being a human. Um, at the beginning of combat, on your turn, give all your creatures plus three, plus three in trample? Yeah, it's something insane. Yeah, it's actual factual overrun. Ah, yes. Heart of Krosa. I put Fist of Krosa on my oh, list. Fist in over here. Although Fist of Krosa ain't bad, but not quite the same. As Julian and Chev mentioned, the insurance premium for witch doctors and humans is pretty small, so we need a lot of good uh, protection spells in this. Uh, so, of course, we have, uh, my favorite protective human, uh, Mother of Runes, oh, <laughs> but we also have some other classics, Akroma's Will, Heroic Intervention, uh, a interesting fog called Repel the Abominable, which is prevent all damage that would be dealt this turn by non-human sources. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact, that card is from the Plane of Innistrad, I forget which Ooh. set exactly it is. Eldritch Moon. I think, I think Innistrad's like one of the only places that cares about humans besides maybe Ikoria. But yeah, there's also um, one that slides under the radar, I feel like, a lot is Unbreakable Formation, which I think is good budget version of Flawless Maneuver, which I also included in this deck. Uh, but Unbreakable Formation is three mana for an instant. Creatures you control again, indestructible to the end of the turn. And there's an addendum ability, but who needs that? <laughs> We're cast this instant speed. Screw it. Yeah. <laughs> um... Sigarda Heron's Grace from Shadows Over Innistrad actually gives you and humans you control Hexproof, despite her just being an angel. 
which is pretty nice. So none of your creatures can be targeted. Um, and I think that's where I'll stop for now <laughs> because that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. pretty solid. Sagarda Heron's Grace, just because I also have in that my, uh, my list, uh, she has an activated ability where you can pay two and exile a card from your graveyard and make a human token. Yes. Boom. There it is. Nice. Mm. Very nice. Token generation. I might need to try and find a spot for that because my deck does allow Sagarda uh, Heron's Grace into it, though it excludes many, many cards. Uh, as I have set the restriction of, uh, if you remember our planeswalker or our uh, plane restricted decks from a while ago, uh, this is another one of those. This uses only cards based on events that happened on Ikoria, or not Ikoria, um, Innistrad, or creatures from Innistrad, things like that. So we only have one Planeswalker, and it's Ren and Seven. It's because Ren just loves loves his Innistrad trees. With Katilda at the helm, uh, I included a mix of new and old Innistrad cards. Some of the ones that I think are worth highlighting and uh, I'm pretty excited for Gavany Dawnguard, I think is going to be great. Uh, we've talked a lot about how humans have a super low CMC on average. So whenever you're swapping back and forth between day and night, you can look at the top four cards of your library, reveal a creature with mana cost three or less, and put it into your hand. On other players' turns, as we're changing back and forth between day and night, which, as we brought up in Commander, is bound to happen a little more, given there are four players, you're just going to see more turns where no one casts a spell and more turns where people cast two or more. So, Gavney Dawn Guard will help keep your hand full in a Selesnia deck, which is always a struggle. Another card from the old sets that lets you do that is Soul of the Harvest. Uh, this big boy is just a big trampling elemental. Doesn't quite fit the human's theme, but helps keep your hand full as you're casting. For example, both Odrics um, are great in this deck, as well as both Thalias. Uh, it's very creature-centered, as it is a it's still mostly a human tribal deck. It's not fully committed. I have a couple angels, one or two elementals. There's a lot of great stuff in here. There are also some questionable cards, though. You start to run out of quality human tribal green-white cards pretty quickly. <laughs> Eric, you mentioned Soul of the Harvest in there, which is part of a package of cards that I think really fits with this kind of deck, even though it's not a human. Perhaps a more on-theme one would be, like, Mentor of the Meek. You know, since, like, yeah. all humans are small. This is actually sort of one of the subcategories of my deck, since I'm not really going for, like, a token theme or, like, a super go-wide strategy. Like, most of these are just, like, creatures that, like, you play it and it's there. Um, and so it's like, how are you going to get things done as humans? Well, as actually the Hex Drinkers were just discussing earlier today <laughs> when talking about Chev's Werewolf deck, there's a lot of cards in green especially. Actually, pretty much just entirely in green that... Uh, let you draw a card when a creature enters the battlefield. Here are some of the ones I included. Beast Whisperer, just also happens to be a human. <laughs> Esper Sentinel, okay, well, he's a human. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of a different condition. Mm -hmm. um, Lifecrafter's Bestiary, Great Henge, Great Henge kind of expensive, but... Uh, Guardian Project, and if you're like me, running a human tribal deck, Vanquisher's Banner will also accomplish the same thing. Heck yeah. Oakley, I have a, a, a card I think will work in your deck, and it might potentially work in mine if I had the budget for it, but that would be Huatli Radiant Champion. Um, I've been running a historic brawl deck with Huatli for some time, uh, but it's a four mana Planeswalker for three, plus one ability is put a loyalty counter on Huatli Radiant Champion for each creature you control. So if you have a full-ass board, this can ramp her to within range of 
ultimating the next turn, which is minus eight, you get an emblem with whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may draw a card. Now, notably, a lot of green effects are either non-token or cast, which takes out a lot of token generation. But something like this, where it's able to, you have a board full of creatures, you drop Watley, you're able to kind of buffer that first turn to get to within range of a few hits, and she'll still be around and kicking at eight. And of course, she has a minus one of target creature gets plus X plus X until end of turn. Rex is the number of creatures you control. You have something with flying that can also be pretty deadly. Um, but something like that might be interesting to see if you're able to provide a little bit of protection that will make card draw insane because it certainly does in historic brawl. Trev, I think I got to put that in my deck because if there's one way to protect a planeswalker, it's to chump block for days. Let me tell you, <laughs> I got a lot of tokens. And if I get that ultimate, I'm going to be drawing a lot of cards. <laughs> oh, it's it's really powerful, especially with the token doublers. I uh, yesterday was playing a game with this historic brawl deck, had out uh, doubling season or no parallel lives. I think is the one that's in historic played omen of the sun drew four cards had four one ones it was that's sick dude. beautiful so highly recommend that in these strategies that are green white looking for more ways to draw in a relative budget i feel obligated since i squandered and memed the beginning of my deck i feel like i should talk about some good cards now and then maybe later on i'll talk about some cool cards i mean we're talking about making lots of tokens we are we're talking about doubling them if there's one thing that Greenwood likes, it's counters. And, uh, you know, Catilda already puts counters. But if you want even more counters, especially when you're making a lot of tokens, Cathar's Crusade, that's just a mm -hmm. good card. Yeah. It's probably an Eric's deck because that's a that's from Avacyn. Hell Restored. yeah. Cathar's Crusade, Descendant's Path, another great enchantment that should work well in Oakley's deck as well. Yes. Letting you hit some of those humans, get them out there for free, even if they're cheap. Free's always better. Any green-based tribal deck should be running Descendant's Path, although I think it is getting a little expensive. It's still listen, under ten dollars. Can... Oh, I found yeah, oil then... in a dollar bin. At... Ooh, yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> hey, if you Dang. still have that, that's uh, that's twenty-five dollars. His eyebrows shot even higher if that's possible. Katilda, keep getting killed. Um, well, there's actually another card also from an Innistrad block uh, called Cryptothrite, which is a one in a green enchantment creature you control have tapped to add one man of any color. Boom. Now you got just redundancy. Growing ranks, two generic, and then two instances of Selesnia hybrid. At the beginning of your upkeep, populate. That's just a free token every turn. Do you have a Reese the Redeemed in your deck, Julian? Yeah. Um. You know, I'm, uh, I have an ex a fairly extensive uh, sideboard <laughs> in this Going list in when sideboard. people look at it. All these, all these cards that could be included, but I was just too lazy to make cuts for, or maybe they're like slightly... Uh, not as good, but he, he is now on the sideboard, so you can see that when you're making your deck, you now probably ha you have like 120 or so cards to really uh, pick from if you wanted to. Uh, could I take a brief intermission to highlight two good cards that I think would synergize with what you just mentioned? Just two kind of unique cards. One of them we talked about before, uh, Curse of Bounty. Whenever Enchanted players attacked, untap all non-land permanents you control. Heck um, yeah. You enchant yourself with that, and so every time... You get attacked, untap all your boys, bunch more mana, because all your guys are mana dorks with that cryptolith, right? And sort of in uh, along a similar lines, uh, quest for renewal, which is whenever a creature you control becomes tapped, you can put a quest counter on quest for renewal. Uh, and if there are four more counters on quest for renewal, untap all creatures you control during each other player's untap step. So if your guys just all tap for mana, you can just tap them down, get those quest counters, tap on tap nice every turn i will mention just because that's something that i thought about but I, I didn't really super include in this is a way to untap so you can kind of double up on 
either making counters or putting counters on Helix Pinnacle. Obviously, that's what you'll be doing. Um, but yeah, Curse of Bounty, I definitely threw that in the sideboard because, I mean, that's that's a staple at this point. Oka's drilled that one in my head. <laughs> um, another good one is a Benefactor's Draw, which is just one in a green for an instant. Untap all all creatures, um, but that includes yours. Uh, until end of turn, whenever your creature and opponent controls blocks, draw a card, and then also just naturally draw a card. So um, this is great, one, because this is just kind of like a pseudo like turnabout. Like you'd almost do like a if you had enough of these cards, you could do like a storm kind of thing where you just like keep untapping your creatures and just adding a bunch of mana. But also if you just have, if there's another tokens player at the table uh, and they're, you're attacking them or they're attacking whatever, you can play this on any turn really. So whenever any opponent's creature blocks, not even if you're attacking them, you get to draw cards. So you could, you could draw a bunch of cards, a similar card, uh Kamigawa card for Eric, Ooh. one in a white call to glory, untap all creatures you control. And then samurai you control, get plus one, plus one until end of turn. What? We ain't running any samurai, but uh, we actually are running some changelings, so those will those will get there. <laughs> you're, you're now all of a sudden your mirror entity and your chameleon classes get a plus one plus one. What a dude! Is it is anybody else running any uh any changelings? Uh, no, there are no changelings on Innistrad. <laughs> ah, I'm sorry, I forgot you were playing block constructed. I'm running one that hasn't been mentioned uh, thus far, which is Realmwalker from uh, Oh, that's Plain a good that tribal card. I don't remember. Call time. Thank you. <laughs> uh, when it enters the battlefield, you choose a creature type. Look at the top card of your library at any time. You may cast creature spells of the chosen type from the top of your library. Julian, are you running the uh, the green legend from Kaladesh that uh, is like put a 1-1 one, one on two creatures and then Rishkar, Pima Renegade? Uh, I am not. I honestly really just thought that would be good for mana. Like, if you activate Katilda once, then Rishkar is just a Katilda substitute. That's true. I'll put him in the sideboard. One thing that I, I, I quickly want to talk about uh, is a lot of us have put some amount of restriction on ourselves, be it Chev putting a budget restriction on himself, uh, my super heavy planar restriction, Oakley going with a tribal deck, which is inherently a little bit restrictive, uh, Julian going with a bad deck, which is also inherently a little bit restrictive. Um, how are we supposed to keep up with people who are just like, oh, I'm just going to play, uh, you know, like five color good stuff, like so, some crazy bastard at your tables who's, yeah. who's playing that. Uh, who maybe whose commander just got banned because the rules committee <laughs> don't know what they're doing. But uh, <laughs> no, the goal is ban is reasonable. I'm just upset. But the answer is... By being toxic. Are you playing stacks again? <laughs> uh, so, Curse of Exhaustion. Uh, enchant player, Enchanted player can't cast more than one spell each turn. Just, I'm sorry, please stop. <laughs> Dang. Um, or, have you considered uh, Nevermore? Nevermore enters the battlefield, name a non-land card. The named card can't be cast. Uh, how about your commander doesn't work? Please leave. Uh, a <laughs> little bit of Lost in the Woods. Uh, whenever a creature attacks you or a planeswalker you control, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a forest card, remove that creature from combat. Then put the revealed card in the bottom of your library. You're moving past forests, and you're not taking damage. We're running a bunch of effects out here that are essentially just like, hey, how about how about you just like fuck off? <laughs> you got the uh, you got those Thalias in there. I, I do have both of the Thalias in there, uh, who fit the vibe of just like just a, a little bit of fun stacks. I kind of went with a, a different approach to deal with these problems. Uh, mine was more, since we're in a creature-heavy strategy, we probably want to do the best we can to protect said creatures of bad things. Like if someone is running this weird Esper deck that seems to have way too many board wipes in it. Who would do that? And, you know, Teferi's protection is a little bit out of price range right now. And so mass blink spells, there are a few. But one I want to highlight from the recent visit to Strixhaven is Semester's End. 
Weird name, but it exiles your board and everyone comes back with 1-1 one, one counters, Ooh. which is pretty nice in theme for the deck. Helps with all the other strategies we got going on. Costs one mana more than Teferi's Protection. But if you're at all worried about budget, this is a pretty solid way to protect a large creature base board. Obviously not tokens. This doesn't phase. You want to make sure this is with real humans and not tokens. Jeff, you want to fuck around with tokens, though, you can play something like Rootborn Defenses for two and a white. Ooh. First, populate, because we love populating, but also creatures you control get indestructible yeah. until the end of turn. Mm. That's a pretty solid one as well. The, po the poor man's uh, the poor man's flawless maneuver. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the poor man's unbreakable formation, which is the poor man's flawless maneuver. <laughs> which are all that the too. poor man's uh, heroic intervention. Oh, yep, that one too. Uh, another good one that I've, I've played in a couple budget decks now is together forever <laughs> um it's a two mana enchantment uh when it comes into the battlefield support two i believe but the more important thing is when a creature dies with a counter on it return it to its owner's hand so what you can kind of get around is while you're dishing out all these counters you can protect one of your main pieces and it doesn't even matter if it's a one one counter or not any kind of counter you can return it to hand like a helix counter like a helix counter well it is creatures so if you manage to animate your helix pinnacle, get around its shroud, and then bounce it to your hand, then yes. Listen, Katilda doesn't target. She just says, put a 1-1 one -one on each creature you control. That's it's true. It's not a creature. <laughs> Let me say that. Uh, it is if I play Opalescence or Starfield. <laughs> All right, so now we're, playing, now we're playing Opalescence and the lighthouse that removes shroud from things. Now I'm just playing a deck that I did not actually brew and doesn't actually All exist. Right. Uh, I That's do want to shout out there, maybe you are going up against that weird Esper control deck, and someone's just like, you know how I have fun? It's making sure that my friends lose two hours of their time and also don't have fun. Uh, <laughs> then you might want to throw out an Angel of Glory's Rise, because after having all of your spells countered for two hours, you've got a pretty full graveyard, and maybe they've finally run out of counter spells, and you can rip this seven mana Angel, which A, exiles all zombies, great initial upside, uh, and B. <laughs> wow, that, that would be like really good if that person happened to be running like Grave Titan in their deck or something. That would be like really coincidental. <laughs> incidental, haha. -ha. True, that. but then return all human creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. So the all zombies is irrelevant and doesn't care who owns them, but only you get to return humans. So you're not going to accidentally revive anything for your uh, your opponents. I like playing this in response to a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Destroying all humans, return all zombies, and then you're like, nah. Yeah, I don't think you'd want to play it in response. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, not in response. Shortly after. After. Response yeah, being a, a yeah. loaded Hit him with the Uno reverse card. <laughs> yeah. A category of creatures I'd like to go over real quick that I think are important are creatures that kill stuff. Because, um, like, you know, Path to Exile is great, and of course I'm pick putting it in my deck, but... We gotta play as many humans as we can, you know, we gotta draw cards, we gotta go wide. So, let's play a Fiend Hunter that exiles a creature when it enters the battlefield and holds it down until it leaves. Uh, very similarly, um, uh, Banisher Priest does pretty much the exact same thing, and so does Palace Jailer. Also, bear with me, Aura Shards <laughs> turns all your creatures into reclamation stage a classic. so you should definitely run that if you're running a lot of creatures i know this is going to trigger julian but giant killer uh is a removal spell oh with a human attached to the the back end of it which has a sort of relevant ability cathar commando just commits suicide to destroy an artifact or enchantment or if you don't want to do that you could play 
Devout Chaplain, <laughs> which has uh, tap it and two untapped humans you control, exile target artifact or enchantment. So you can do that over and over uh, each turn. Finally, Kogla has got human synergy, <laughs> so I had to include him. <laughs> Um, the card says human, uh, not yeah. in the type line, but somewhere. Kogla, you know, whatever his stats or whatever. Well, he's pretty—he's like a seven-six for six. He's a big lad. Um, he does a bunch of stuff. He, when he enters the battlefield, he can fight up to one creature you don't control. Whenever he attacks, destroy target artifact or enchantment defending player controls. And for the low, low price of one and a green, return target human you control to its owner's hand. Kogla gains indestructible until the end of the turn, and you will have plenty of humans. Also, hopefully, which can tap for mana, just in case uh, someone tries to get a little funky with a board wipe. And if you're running something like Search Party Captain or uh, anything else that has a really good ETB, then you can sort of double down on that ETB uh, using Kogla's ability just as a free, or not free, but a built-in bounce effect. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Which would actually, fun fact, pair great with all of your Fiend Hunter and Fiend Hunter adjacent cards, because... For those who don't know this fun little wacky trick, uh, whenever Fiend Hunter enters the battlefield, you can have its ETB on the stack and then bounce it and put its LTB on the stack above it. So its LTB triggers. There's no card exiled with it. Nothing happens. Uh, And then the creature gets exiled and then there's no Fiend Hunter on the board anymore. That card will never come back and has just been exiled forever. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I played that deck in the Masters 25 draft I did. I had Fiend Hunter with Goldmane Lion and the black card that enters the battlefield and then it makes someone discard a card from hand with the same effect. My opponents were very upset. It is a very fun move to pull in the sense that it's an overcost swords to plowshares and commander, but it's so much fun when you get to pull it off because it's repeatable. I think something that should be noted about that is that this works because Fiend Hunter has like two separate clauses on it so another good human that you could run is banisher priest basically the same stats same mana cost everything but it's all one line so it says when it enters exile target creature and opponent controls until banisher priest leaves the battlefield it does not work for cards like that so it's the same same idea as oblivion ring to banishing light Mm. really two separate clauses still run banisher priest though because like oh yeah Yeah, still good card (laughs) even if you can't do the synergy with one other card in your deck It's a cool synergy. I mean, to be fair, oftentimes, if you need to, just return it. It's like, here you go, have your thing back. There's a bigger problem. I'm going to deal with that. (laughs) That's perfectly fine. You know what I mean? Also, I forget when we were talking about this, but Grand Abolisher. Oh, yeah. Great human. That's like $25. That's like a $25 card. It's insanely expensive. But Aura Shards, Card Kingdom sponsor us. (laughs) It's on Card Kingdom right now. You can get a near mint one for like eight fifty. You can get a slightly played one for seven bucks, which is way cheaper than I remember. Yeah, it's gone down a lot. It was reprinted in the list, and I think mystery boosters. You know what also blows my mind is that Marari's Wake is only four bucks, <laughs> like market price. Wait, actually? Yeah, that's it's pretty wild. Is is reprinted in MH two? Nice. I was just gonna run through really quickly. Um, I want to talk about this at the start, but uh, we sort of got sidetracked. There's a bunch of great new humans. Uh, if you either have a human tribal deck or are in the process of building one in response to this set, I uh, just wanted to highlight some of the ones that came out sort of with this set. Adeline Resplendent Cathar, one white white. Vigilance, power equals the number of creatures you control. When you attack, for each opponent, create a one one white human creature token that's tapped and attacking. It is a an X4, so 
that's going to be pretty powerful and will generate a lot of humans for you. Even on ETB, that, that might just matter for your deck. Augur of Autumn, one green green. You can look at the top card of your library at any time. You can play lands off the top, which is the same starting line as Corsair of Crufix. But on top of that, it has, if you control three or more creatures with different powers, you can cast creatures off the top as well, which is pretty potent. And it's you can look at the top, not play with the top revealed, which is a notable difference, so that you get to keep that information. Bereaved Survivor, uh, just when another creature you control dies, transform it. It's a 3-mana 2-1, it's not very exciting. But the backside is whenever it attacks, reanimate something with power 2 or less, taps in attacking. Oakley mentioned this earlier, but uh, Cathar Commando, 1 and a white, flash, 1, sack it, destroy target artifact or enchantment for a 3-1. So that's a 3-1 <laughs> beater that you can eventually just trade for your opponent's powerful artifact or enchantment. Uh, Intrepid Adversary. Julian talked about this on Prime Picks, and I think this is even better in Commander. We're going to get up to those big mana totals even sooner. And uh, Sigarda Champion of Light. Just just another sort of big top-end thing for revealing and drawing through humans in green-white. And of course, what Eric fails to mention is the new humans that are new to the Commander deck. Because the Commander deck is also human-themed, where we've got Heron Blade Elite, a 3-mana 1-1 with Vigilance. And whenever another human ETBs, put a 1-1 counter on it. More importantly, tap, add X of any one color where X is Heron Elite's power. So you can instantly get that up there, get a lot of your mana as opposed to the one given to you by uh, Katilda. We also have Kyler, Sigardian Emissary, the human commander that's getting a lot more attention uh, to the point where it's probably going to be closer to kill on sight. And if you're running a human tribal deck, so you might want to think more about having this as a commander uh it's a 2-2 for five whenever another human enters the battlefield put a 1-1 counter on it other humans you control get 1-1 for each counter on kyler so of course that is just any human you're flashing in a bunch of tokens through omen of the sun or something like that kyler will make your board pretty big pretty fast and the face commander of the coven counters deck leonore who i was referring to earlier 04 for four at the beginning of combat on your turn put a 1-1 counter on up to one target creature then if you have Coven, draw a card. So kind of just incremental value, not making as big of a splash probably as Kyler or Katilda, but there to continuously provide that value. Um, the last two I kind of want to highlight are Moreland Rescuer, a 4-4 four, four for 6. When it dies, return any number of other creature cards with total power X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, where X is Moreland Rescuer's power. Exile it which is kind of weird. Already, you're getting like four power back, not mana value. But if you pump it up before it dies, that is super, super potent as a reanimation spell and in white where we don't normally see it. Uh, and then the last would be Sigardian Zealot, a 3-3 three, three for five that can turn into a bit of an anthem with at the beginning of combat on your turn, choose any number of creatures with different powers. Each of them gets plus X plus X and gains vigilance until end of turn where X is Sigardian Zealot's power. So we're getting a lot of cards in this Commander Precon that really care about kind of augmenting their base power with these counters, which is exactly what Katilda wants us to be doing. So it's something to look out for, especially if you're thinking about making humans deck, like Eric said, or you want to make one, start with the Precon. I'm objectively bad at using Scryfall, so I forgot to add those onto my search, so thank you for those recommendations. I believe we're fully off of the Planeswalker decks now, and every set will have two Commander decks that come out with it. 
number one thing you can do to remember the set codes, because each of one will of course have a different set code, is it's whatever the regular set code is, and you replace the last letter with a C. So Midnight Hunt is Mick, and AFR was AFC. So always check those two, which kind of goes into a topic I'd love to bring up at the end, but if people have other stuff, I'll uh, I'll hold off on it. I only got one thing to say, and that's that Beast Whisperer is not a human like I thought he was. He's an elf. So uh, I'm a fraud. Sad. I apologize. Brutal. And I'm taking him out of my deck. You still should play him, though, because <laughs> you can draw a ton of cards. You're making a good deck. Include it. If you are staying too hard to the theme like some people do here, um, then you shouldn't do that. You should include it anyway. Well, Chev, I can tell you right now, if you want to draw a bunch of cards and you still want to stick to the theme, there's a, a new rare that came out in this set that's pretty sick, uh, Rite of Harmony. Ooh. Uh, green and a white, instant, whenever a, whenever a creature or enchantment, because, sure, <laughs> I mean, I got like 12 enchantments in this deck, so that I guess that works, you know, if I really need to draw a card. Whenever one of those enters the battlefield under control this turn, draw a card. Noticeably, it is not non-token creature, so... Um, you know, playing that in response to something like a call the copper coats, which uh, makes X one one human soldier tokens for however many creatures a target opponent has, and you actually can like multi kick it to choose all your opponents. That'll draw you a bunch of cards. Um, also, really great with two cards that I think a lot of people should be playing more of, which is uh, the Mirari and Lithoform Engine, both artifacts that can essentially uh, copy instants and sorcery spells, given you pay a certain amount of mana when they uh, when you cast them. Lithoform Engine can also copy activated or triggered abilities um so if you want to copy the put a plus one plus one counter on your entire team from katilda that's a good one and also can copy permanent spells uh as well so if you want two doubling seasons oh boy but yeah those are cards that people should be playing because like they're just super versatile um if you want to make even more tokens birthing bows and masquid nexus both artifacts that tap and give you two two shapeshifter tokens with changeling so those are incidentally humans and then my final pick and it's a, Eric, it's a Kamigawa card. Ooh, baby. Uh, glimpse of Nature? Nope. Well, the Glimpse of Nature is good if you want to do that, and it's uh, just a better Rite of Harmony. Um, well, Rite of Harmony no has flashback. No flashback. Yep, mm-hmm. no flashback. Gotta do it That's twice. true. I forgot to mention Rite of Harmony has has, uh, has flashback. Let me actually, Glimpse of Nature, one Glimpse of Nature is uh, much more expensive. Um, it's also a sorcery, and it's also, oh, it's whenever you cast a creature spell. No, oh, no we don't want that. <laughs> Nowhere near as good. Yeah, we don't, we don't want that. Uh, Masako the Humorless. Two and a white for a 2-1 human advisor. So it's a human. Okay, so this is just old text for it has flash. Uh, you can play it anytime you can play an instant. Um, but also, tapped creatures you control may block as though they were not tapped. Mm. It's a very strange way to say vigilance. Yes. Well, no. <laughs> but it, well, because yeah, it's much they can... trickier. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can swing out and then flash it in, and then all of your creatures are back to being able to block without needing it before you attack. Oh, that is swanky. The biggest thing for me was I was thinking, because, like, listen, Helix Pickle, I don't need to attack anyway, but God forbid you come at me, tap all my dudes for mana, activate Katild's ability, they all get a plus one, plus one, now they're even bigger. Flash in Masako. And now I can block you. Exactly. Exactly. The beautiful Christmas land play. You can get some sneaky stuff going on. Uh, I actually really like this card. I did not know about it before this, um, but... Dude, I've put that card in decks before. Have you really? Have you ever played it in a game, though? Oh, no. I've put it in, like, Hex Drinker's decks, though, and talked about it on the pod. <laughs> oh, really? I just now know for sure that you don't listen to me. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Thank you, Julian, for bringing us this great card. You know, I wish we'd heard about it sooner. It probably would have changed a lot of my deck, though. I'm going to talk about Village Bellringer now, uh, which is from this set, 
and offers you ah, the ability to... I see to... Eric has made a, a combo deck, even though no. it is restricted to destroy block. All I want to do with it is untap all my creatures to either get blockers after I've tapped them for mana, or to swing after using them to pump with Katilda's ability, untap them, and then go in for an attack step, or create some tricky blocks, stuff like that. All right, I think we're done, and Jeff had something you wanted to talk about at the end. Yeah, so... um. Oh, two other cards that are really good for this deck, specifically the Coven Counters deck, are two cards from um, Midnight Hunt Commander. They are Visions of Dominance, which is a three-mana sorcery. Put a 1-1 counter on target creature, then double the number of 1-1 counters on it. Kind of solid. Flashback for eight and two green, but the spell costs X less to cast, where X is the greatest mana value of a commander you own on the battlefield or in the command zone. So a little less potent with Katilda being a two-mana commander, but you have something like Hamza in the command zone. This can be pretty solid. And the other card I want to mention is Visions of Glory. A white and four. Create a 1-1 white human creature token for each creature you control. That is amazing for both strategies we want to see in Coven Counters. And as I mentioned, they're in uh, Midnight Hunt Commander. The thing is, they're not in the deck. There's a strategy to include... A cycle of cards, you'll find one for each color of visions, that are technically Commander Midnight Hunt cards, but they're only available in set and collector boosters. That's trash. Now we saw something similar in call time with theme booster specific cards, where they would show up in theme, but obviously the product is very different and these are far more powerful. So it's a frustrating way to show you cards that not only are from the set and interesting, but even harder to get your hands on because they don't come in draft boosters or things you'll open while playing limited to get your hands on these commander-specific cards that aren't in commander decks. So the price on those is inflated a little bit right now, but they are definitely worthy includes to buy. They're just somewhat complicated if you were looking out for them in packs to pick up. I was wondering why... I put Visions of Glory in my deck. I was wondering why this card, which... Yeah, it's powerful, but, like, it's a rare and, like, it's a dumb commander card. I was wondering why it is between 6 and $7. Mm -hmm. Seems much more like a $2 card to me. It's because we, we don't know the availability of those cards. It's tricky, too, because the collector number on the cards, normally when you have cards that are in a special way or specific sort of scheme, uh, the collector number will be a little bit different. But here, the collector numbers for Midnight Hunt Commander go up to 38, and these are included in that count as well as cards that are available in the decks. Oh, uh, one of the, the the biggest ones is Lind, Cheerful Tormentor, the new Curse Commander. Uh, that is also in the this sort of group of cards that aren't available normally. Damn. Wizards really be out here just doing that shit. It's frustrating. Hopefully we don't see it too much. We will see it a lot. Um, so <laughs> wait until the price goes down and people open set boosters because, of course, set boosters are now also going to be in the bundles as well so we're really pushing the way set boosters are open hopefully that means the price of these will go down dance you filthy casuals dance this has been your surprise finance update with chef oh a little, little surprise guitar riff. i'll put the jingle <laughs> in right here but yeah right. is that is that everything we want to cover with humans counters and the like hopefully we've offered a couple different ways for you to take katilda should you open one also the awesome ass alternate art treatment we've got a little bit of humans from oak uh, Julian doing alternate wincon things, Eric with a strictly Innistrad deck, and then I giving you some updates for the Coven Counters precon. So there's a lot of different ways you can kind of take this, specifically taking into account the cards most recently printed in Midnight Hunt. 
and hopefully you can tell us what you do with her. I know none of us exactly went into this, but uh, this is also a great 1-1 counters commander. There are several of them, but this is one of them. Uh, if you want to go into that, I would recommend looking at a couple of planes, and spe uh, specifically Tarkir dealt a lot with this, especially Dragons and Fate Reforged. And then uh, Ikoria, which we mentioned earlier in the pod, does a lot with counters. Oh, and Kaladesh is another great 1-1 counter. 100%. Eric's right. All great things that you could do. This is a very powerful 1-1 counter commander. Um, I echo what Chev said, that it was interesting to try and build this deck, but I will say that it's not really doing anything new. I think that's my one critique of this, is that generate lots of mana and put counters on things is, is a known quantity in green-white, but I think if that's something you're into, this is definitely a suitable, and of course, fresh, so not uh, overdone yet, commander to uh, use it. And of course, the tech. The protection from werewolves tech is real. I was going to say, what do you mean it's done nothing new before? Pro werewolves! It's anti-chev tech. <laughs> Alright, facts, facts. You're right, you got me. Uh, so yeah, all of these will be available for your perusal. Uh, Julian, are they going to be in the description? or uh... Uh, They will be in the description, and those links will go straight to our Moxfield page. So if you don't want to click on the description, or you have our Moxfield page bookmarked, you can just go there and find them. What is our Moxfield page, Julian? It's at the Hex Drinkers. Well, hold up. The description of what, Julian? Where, where what, what might this be describing? Description of the podcast. This, this, <laughs> Julian. Where this, could I find uh, this podcast? Audio that. Yeah. You're... How would oh, I find goodness. this to listen to it? Where am I right well, now? <laughs> where, <laughs> where am I? Where am I? <laughs> Assuming that maybe you're walking down the street and someone is just playing this very loud through their stereo <laughs> with a window open because it's still nice outside. Hydraulics, um, you know. Bouncing a little bit. Yes, exactly. If somebody somebody is low riding through your hood uh, with this blasting, uh, that'd be that'd be sick. Um, I bet you the subwoofer is really just going off with how bassy and luscious our voices are. Uh, if that was the case, assuming it is, um, you could find us on a, a multitude of platforms that host podcasting content. Probably probably the main ones are going to be, of course, the lovely Anchor.fm and uh, Apple Podcasts, and of course. You can always go to our website, which is hexdrinkers.com, to get this podcast as well. While you're there, maybe you're feeling about sticking around. Obviously, this is you know, this podcast probably going to turn out to be around 45, 50 minutes. That's plenty of time to uh, check out some articles on there as well. And, of course, we also have videos uh, as well as some other tasty content on there. So check that out. Follow it to the source. Go straight to YouTube, uh, Twitch, uh, at hexdrinkers. You can find us there. And, of course, if you like this content, you want to support us doing this content uh, for years and years to come, for many, many commanders to come, you can head on over to patreon.com slash hexdrinkers, uh, support us for as little as $1 a cast, toss a coin to your witchers, and uh, also get some of those sweet, juicy rewards like uh, access to the full unedited version of this podcast, the uh, the uncut director's version, uh, you know, Zack Snyder's The Hex Drinkers, if you will. <laughs> um, you also get access to all of our notes, so if you want to see uh, not only my absolute abomination of a list, uh, but my entire thought process and a bunch of other things uh, going on, you can check that out, as well as uh, shout-outs on our website and the potential for us to do an entire podcast about your deck. Yes, you listening right now, you could be the next episode of the Hex Drinkers podcast if you really wanted to. We believe in you. I, I will shout this out again. It's been a minute. Flavor text for the website. You get to write it. You can be like, hey, I want to do this for a single podcast or a single month or a single year. And we will keep your flavor text forever. You will become immortal on the internet. <laughs> that's that's a fact. That's actually a fact. For a good reason, too. <laughs> like, listen, that 
that flavor text is going to be around longer than your body. You're going to fucking decompose one day. Your tombstone, <laughs> that's just going to crumble away one day. We're going to engrave it on your tombstone. But you are always going to have that flavor text on the Hex Drinkers website. All right. Now, I, I don't. Now I'm just rambling. I'm going to say That's it. We're done. Shit. Thanks for watching. Goodbye. <laughs>